Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. What we experience is this shifting of the clock on the wall, and nothing in the world changes, right? going to ask everybody to somehow change their biology to adjust to this social cue on the wall. Get rid of it. No more daylight savings time ever. There are a lot of shift workers in the economy who shift their clocks all the time. Yeah, I I was um, calling to ask why we don't do a gradual shift, like 30 seconds a day. The shift in and out of daylight saving time isn't just annoying, it can also be dangerous. And you had a lot to say about that on today's St. Louis on the Air. I'm Emily Woodbury, senior producer for St. Louis on the Air. Before today's episode, I want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. Our team works hard to provide nuance on the news that shapes your life and your community. And we wouldn't be able to do this without your support. The money you give to St. Louis Public Radio helps fund our podcast. So please go to stlpr.org slash donate and give an amount that works for you. Your contribution, along with that of your neighbors, is what fuels St. Louis on the air. And we're really grateful. Thank you for your support. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. This week is likely the last one in quite some time where you can still enjoy daylight after work. In the wee hours of Sunday morning, we'll quote-unquote fall back, setting our clocks back one hour. And by gaining that extra hour of sleep, we face a whole lot of early evening darkness and an earlier rising morning sun. This is what the end of daylight saving time brings every year. Now, if you're like me, you curse the stupidity of the time changes in both spring and fall. And it turns out there's a good argument to be made that they hurt more than they help. And here to discuss it and what we should do about it is Eric Herzog. He's a professor of biology and neuroscience at Washington University, and he's an expert on circadian clocks. And he joins us today. So, Eric Herzog, welcome to the show. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. So let's start with something that probably feels very (laughs) elementary to you, but it feels like good grounding for this conversation. What is a circadian clock? Um, So the circadian clock is uh, a biological entity that resides primarily within our brain that tells us when to wake up and when to go to sleep. It operates on a genetic program that we inherit from our parents. And so some people like to wake up, uh, prefer to wake up earlier in the morning. Others prefer to wake up later in the day. And this is in large part dictated by this molecular program that operates within cells in our brain that tells us uh, how to keep our daily schedule. Hmm. So some of us really are morning people. That, that's there genetically, and some people are evening people? Absolutely. And it's it's an interaction between our genetics and our environment. So we normally uh, synchronize to our local light-dark schedule. And, uh, and things about your environment really do shape when you prefer to wake up. So you might notice a difference, for example, when you go camping compared to when you're living at home uh, or, or working in a dim office. 
so the bright light from outside is a really strong cue for our circadian clock to help us synchronize and wake up in the mornings. So how do these circadian clocks tie into these twice yearly times when we're resetting our clock, we're either springing forward or falling back? Yeah, so I liked how you described it earlier that what we experience is this shifting of the clock on the wall and nothing in the world changes, right? The only <laughs> thing that's going to happen is we're going to ask everybody to somehow change their biology, which tells you when to wake up and when to go to sleep, to adjust to this social cue on the wall. And that's a real challenge to our biology. So what we're trying to do is figure out a way to take cues from our environment to shift our schedule to fall back in in the fall as you mentioned and most people really kind of enjoy that fall back they enjoy the <laughs> extra hour of sleep and um, we actually do see some benefits to falling back um, each year uh, things like reduced risk for car accidents on the monday afterwards reduced uh, risk for um, heart attacks um, but the problem is in the spring, when we spring forward, that loss of an hour of sleep and that compunction to somehow shift our clocks to uh, wake us up an hour earlier, even though the sun's still going to do its thing, um, is really challenging. So we see things like three days of increased risk for car accidents, three hmm. days all the way through Wednesday after the spring forward of um, increased risk for, for heart attacks. And, and these are associations that have been uh, made in many different countries in many different studies now. And these are just with one hour difference on one night. I mean, are people are most people keeping a much more rigid schedule than, than maybe I'm aware of where where that can throw them off to the point they're having heart attacks? It's a very good point. Uh, so many of us, probably about 80 percent of us, don't really use the sun as much as we should. And uh, we depend upon alarm clocks. Um, so what I like to tell everybody is if you use an alarm clock, you're waking up unnaturally. You're not listening to your body's um, built-in alarm clock. And uh, you're forcing yourself to wake up sooner than your body says you're ready to wake up. Hmm. And so even though it seems like not a big deal, one hour, it's one hour that cumulatively over many days can really have a big effect on, on our health. And so... Um, there's some evidence now that during daylight saving time, we actually get less sleep. And that reduced sleep cumulatively um, can have impacts on our health, the economy, uh, performance in school, and many other things that we really care about. Hmm. So when you talk about daylight saving time, you mean, and again, this is saving time. It's not savings time. I feel like so many of us have that wrong in our head. And I, I'm going to try to be um, correct today as I talk about this. But this is basically the period that runs from March um, through this weekend where we are shifting so we have more evening sunlight. And you're saying that's really the problem. One, the, the shift is the problem that we have to do in the spring. And then when we're living during this time period, things just aren't as good for us. Is that right? You're absolutely right. It is, there's general agreement now um, among scientists and amongst politicians that we should really get rid of the time switch, that the consequences of uh, just having to fall back and spring forward on an annual basis uh, really hasn't generated the benefits that people had hoped for. And so now what we're really discussing is, well, what should we do if 
This should be the last time change you ever experience in your life. If this coming Sunday, we could just finally be on one set schedule and never have to go through another time change. Or whether the following uh, spring, we should go through one more time change as is being considered in several bills um, in Congress right now. Um, that would actually require, require congressional approval to switch to permanent standard, permanent daylight saving time. Hmm. And, and the science really is now arguing for permanent standard time. What we're about to go to, which is currently only scheduled for four months of the year, eight months of the year we're on daylight saving time. Um, uh, scientists now argue that we should just stay on standard time. So we've heard from a number of listeners about this. We let them know you were going to be on the show. It's safe to say there was a great deal of interest in this topic. I'm going to play you a couple of voicemails that we heard just because these these really amused me. It was so great to hear people's passion for this subject, which I think rivals yours and, and rivals mine. Uh, we heard from John in St. Louis yesterday, and uh, he feels very strongly about this. I am definitely ready to abolish DST. I've been ready for years. And God bless you for uh, making this a topic on your show. Get rid of it. No more daylight savings times ever. That completely cracked me up. Um, Bob from Richmond Heights, he says we have it all wrong by extending daylight in the spring and then falling back in the fall. What kind of sense does that make? Absolutely none. It should be just the opposite. It should be fall forward, spring back. We need to get some legislation at the national level to change this stupid practice that is unworkable and the exact opposite of the way it should be. It should be from now on, it should be fall forward, spring back. Tell them on Capitol Hill that I said so. <laughs> I'm sure that will carry a lot of weight. And maybe it will carry a lot of weight. And we also want to hear from you if you're listening to this conversation. Do you agree that it's time to get rid of daylight saving time? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. And we're talking, of course, today to Eric Herzog. He's a professor of biology and neuroscience at Washington University. Eric, it seems like people are agreeing these time changes are not worth um, the havoc that they wreak. But there does seem to be some people who think, why don't we just switch to daylight saving time full time? That seems to be where there's kind of a divide on this issue at this point. What's the problem with doing that? So um, those were great comments from your listeners. Um, I, um, I want to emphasize that um, it is a personal preference. Um, there's not a lot of data out there to let us know what it would be like to live on permanent standard time or permanent daylight saving time. The experiment was done once before in the United States in 1974 when they enacted permanent daylight saving time. It lasted until October of that year, so not even a full year, at which point the popular demand was to get rid of it and, and the practice was ended. So they, they returned within a year to the switching. Hmm. People did not like that, huh? People didn't like permanent day, uh, sta daylight saving time. And the main reasons were that in the, in the morning, um, the kids were going to, the school, going to school in the dark and that people really didn't like waking up in the dark. They, they felt even more tied to their alarm clocks. 
And so that's where the biology can really guide us um, in understanding why that's so difficult. It turns out that our circadian clocks um, depend upon light to help us synchronize to the local light-dark schedule. And so um, having light in the morning helps us align our biology to, uh, to local time. Hmm. And if we're forcing ourselves to wake up before uh, sunrise, um, that turns out to be against our biology. And that means that, for example, your daily surge in cortisol is happening after you wake up instead of before you wake up. And that hormone is really an important hormone in preparing your body for the stresses of the day. And uh, in the evening, we have hormones that are secreted to help promote sleep. And if those aren't being released at the appropriate time, you can struggle to fall asleep at the right time. Hmm. So getting our biology aligned to the light-dark cycle really depends upon morning sunlight. And people will ask, you know, how can we, can we make this switch easier, one tip I have for everybody is to really think about how can I make sure that I am getting morning sunlight. So moving your bed next to a window where you keep the curtains open so that you get morning sunlight and avoiding evening light like our computers and our phones and uh, the blue light from our TV screens. So all the things we want to do in the evening, we should not be doing in the evening. <laughs> That's right. Now there, <laughs> There's some good advice right there. Everything you're doing, stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds hard to do, but in fact, folks have found when you go camping, it's so easy to wake with the sun. Hmm. And, um, and so if we can seek ways to get um, as much natural sunlight as we can, go for a walk in the mornings. Turns out it's not that hard. I want to go to the phone lines here. Um, I understand we have a contrary view, and I want to hear his case. Uh, this is Gary calling from University City. Um, Gary, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hello. Thank you very much for the opportunity to weigh in. I'll, uh, as is, to help the re uh, listeners understand who I am and what I do, I'm a shift worker. Mm. I happen to be a physician. I happen to be an emergency physician, so I'm shifting my clock a lot, and to me, I don't understand uh, what's so difficult about twice a year, but I understand for some people it is difficult. But there are a lot of shift workers in the economy that shift their clocks all the time. And the other thing I'd point out is that St. Louis is relatively close to the eastern edge of the central time zone. Um, the central time zone starts in Illinois, and in the Illinois border goes out to western Kansas. And if we didn't do daylight saving time in the summertime, the sun would come up at 4.30 in the morning. So that's a bit early, I think, for most people. Gary, you, you make a great that, point there. I don't like the idea of the sun waking me up at 4.30. Eric, wh what would you say to that point uh, from Gary? Yeah, thanks, Gary, for your points. And you're absolutely right. There's a growing fraction of our, our uh, workforce that is um, living on shift work. And we do see long-term consequences of shift work. It's associated with a lot of health hazards, um, including um, accidents on the way home from uh, working at the hospital. Um, but uh, you make a, another important point, which is that you know light extremely early in the morning can uh, feel uncomfortable, um, and and that is absolutely true for some people. What we're really talking about is sort of the majority of people, and making sure that the majority of people, including kids who have a different daily schedule than uh, older people, um, are going to be at their best. And so um, if 4.30 is too early for you to be seeing the sun rise, you can move your bed away from the window, for example. 
But the evidence is that um, even with an early morning sunrise, your body will tell you when you've finished sleeping and you'll wake up, as opposed to depending upon an alarm clock to wake you up in the dark um, when we're on daylight saving time. Gary, I'm, you, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead. Uh, Eric. Please. No, no, please, Sarah. Uh, Gary, I, I was going to ask, would you like to keep things just how they are then? You feel like the current system, even with these, these two hours of discomfort in the spring and the fall, that works for you just fine? Right. And, and uh, your, your guest does correctly say that there are accidents in shift workers. That's especially after overnight duty, more so than evening duty. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is the obesity epidemic. And by having hours after work to get outside and walk and work out and exercise, I think it promotes people uh, getting out and doing things that are healthy. And the potential impact on outdoor activities by an hour or less in the evening um, is as yet unmeasured. And I think it deserves consideration as we consider the overall impact of the population because our obesity prevalence in America is going north to 35%, and that can't be good for anybody. And anything we can do to get people outside and doing healthful activities like walking, biking, et cetera, it's probably a good thing. Gary, that's a, that's a good point there. And I, I want to thank you for your argument, which I think is, is making all of us think a bit. Eric, what would you say to that, this idea that if we have more evening hours, people are more likely to be able to get outside? Yeah, so Gary's absolutely right. We need to do everything we can to help people get out and exercise and also to be um, uh, eating on the right schedule. And so um, the biggest advocates I I understand for permanent daylight saving time are the golf industry. Um, They are the ones who are helping to lobby Congress for this change. Um, And the argument is that having an extra hour of sunlight after work will help promote people getting out and exercising. The golf lobby, Um, wow. The golf lobby, yeah. Who would have thought that they're, uh, they're the major players here? Um, the evidence, and, and I like how Gary says we need more data, because in fact, whatever we choose to do after November 1st, I really think we need to be collecting the data to help us understand whether we are seeing improvements in things like the, op- uh, the obesity epidemic. The evidence right now is that um, if you are getting light after sunset, especially blue light from your screens, if you're eating in the dark um, after uh, daylight hours, those are also risk factors for increasing uh, your body weight. Mm. And so if we can get people uh, waking up when the sun is up and doing their morning exercise, that's one way to uh, address Gary's concern. Um, and making it possible for people to uh, exercise at other times of day is is going to have to be something we think about in terms of um, how our society structures itself. Hmm. Um, but just putting that hour of sunlight at the end of the day has not been demonstrated to increase exercise and reduce um, body fat in the way we, we would like to know it would. Hmm. My so guest today is, is Eric Herzog. He's a biology professor at Washington University. We do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation and take some of your calls. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. Welcome back. 
I'm talking today with Washington University biology professor Eric Herzog. He's making the case against daylight saving time. There's a growing number of experts who feel that it's time to jettison this this almost century-long experiment here. Um, And if you are interested in joining this conversation, if you have questions for the professor, um, or if you have a strong opinion on this, we're eager to hear from you. Our phone lines are open. We're at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. Uh, Let's go to the phone lines. Jim is calling from Kirkwood. Um, Jim, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Jim? I'm hoping Jim is still with us. He may not be. Oops, no, oh. no, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Jim, hi. Still there? <laughs> yes. Thank you for hanging in there. <laughs> I know you were on hold for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm the president of the Astronomical Society, and I totally concur. We would dearly love to get rid of uh, daylight savings time because we're tired of waiting till 10 o'clock to be able to look at stars and stuff at night. Uh, in the summer especially, and uh, it would be great to be able to to share that with the public. So it kind of interferes with us having to hold outreach events and stuff, uh, especially uh, during the summertime. So this Um, would be good for the people who, the stargazers in our midst, Jim, is that right? right. Yeah, a lot of people spend a lot of time imaging and things and staying up late hours of the night. It'd be nice to be able to start before 10. Uh, The other aspect that I'd like to comment on, um, we're also leading, uh, leading great, um, uh, efforts to try to reduce the, num- the amount of light pollution. Um, and there's a, an organization called the International Dark Sky Association trying to help with that. And if he wants to comment on uh, the effects of um, too much light pollution around for human uh, sleep and uh, animals, et cetera. Jim, Jim, thank you for that. Thank you for bringing that up. Eric, is light pollution a real problem from your perspective? Yeah, thanks very much, Jim. That's a really good point. Um, In terms of human biology, there's lots of evidence that light at night is uh, contrary to uh, good health and keeping a regular schedule. So not only does it interfere with our ability to look at the stars and enjoy enjoy a a night out, Um, But it also does disrupt uh, our daily schedule. So you might not think about this too much, but if you see light um, after sunset, your body interprets that as a delayed sunset. And it actually delays when you wake up the following morning, making it harder for you to wake up. Hmm. In contrast, if you see light in the early morning hours, just uh, before you might normally wake up, it helps you wake up a little bit earlier. It advances your schedule. And so uh, lights like um, especially the bluish lights that we get from our phones, our TVs um, and and our computer screens, those are quite potent in terms of uh, affecting our biology. And there's really amazing evidence now that the light we have in our cities is affecting the the organisms that that live Mm -hmm. around us. So uh, birds are actually changing their uh, day-night patterns as a result of living, whether they're in the the city or out in the country. Wow, that's so interesting. And it's funny how we're all so obsessed with the sun and how that relates to the clock, and yet it sounds like a big part of what we've done to ourselves that's causing problems are things we can control, our screens and, and all the light coming from those. Absolutely. Yeah. And so as Gary mentioned earlier, um, you know, we are really concerned with things like how our body metabolizes the the food we consume. And and the obesity epidemic is in part, I think, uh, attributable to the fact that um, we are uh, leaving the lights on and eating at inappropriate times in the evening. Hmm. 
Well, Jim, thank you for that call. Thank you for speaking on behalf of the astronomers. That's always an exciting call to get. Let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Sandra is calling from Bridgeton. Sandra, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I would love it if we would turn the clocks back Sunday and never touch them ever again. Um, the time change is very hard on me, especially in the spring, and it's also extremely hard on my autistic son. Mm. And, you know, nobody seems to, to think about, you know, some of the kids that have more difficulty with this. Sandra, you, you make a great point. And Eric, I've, I have been curious as you've been speaking, is this something where biologically um, some people do have a harder time with this than others? That's a great point, Sandra. Thank you. Um, it, it is true that um, we have found that uh, there's an age dependence in terms of how potent light is in shifting our clocks. And, uh, and there's uh, our ability to adjust to time changes can depend upon uh, many different factors, um, including uh, your age. Um, maybe putting this in an evolutionary context would also help. Um, since Sandra and I both agree this is a challenge, uh, to, and even though it seems like an hour shouldn't be a big deal, um, we've been uh, on this planet um, as a species for thousands of years. Um, but it's only really within the last 150 years that we could turn the lights on and turn the lights off at will um, at night. And only within the last 100 years that we've been able to fly across time zones and rapidly change when the sun rises and sets relative to our biological clock. Hmm. So that's meant that we just have not evolved to make really big changes in our schedule. So if the sun is is suddenly uh, uh, demanding that we wake up uh, an hour earlier, um, it takes us often a full day to adjust to that. And in it, the evidence for um, the shift to daylight saving time is it takes most people at least three days to uh, accomplish that shift. Hmm. Um, well, Sandra, thank you for that call, and I'm sorry your son is dealing with that as a parent of small children. I know it is a beast for, for so many children. I want to go to the phone lines. Uh, Jim is calling from St. Louis with an idea that, it's, frankly, has uh, piqued my curiosity. Jim, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Hello. Yeah, I, I was um, calling to ask why we don't do a gradual shift, like 30 seconds a day. I mean, the sun, you know, naturally gets longer. Your days get longer. The days could go up, and as it gets shorter, the day, you know, we could track 30 seconds. Yeah, we have all this technology we didn't used to have. We can do things now in, in milliseconds. Eric, would this maybe be a solution that would get us away from these hour jolts but still keep us from a 4.30 a.m. sunrise in the summer? It's a great suggestion, Jim, um, and another solution to the problem. Um, one that uh, has never really been tested. Um, we are um, already um, making adjustments, especially, for example, here in St. Louis, where the days are now getting shorter. Um, our body clock is adjusting to that shift in the light-dark schedule. Um, so we can make small changes in our schedule uh, relatively easily. Um, and um, and that, so that would be less disruptive to our biology. Then there's going to be the technological challenges of um, of how that gets implemented. Um, so we would need, you know, all the clocks to be automatically synchronizing to to do that. So that proposal hasn't really uh, moved forward um, in terms of any legislation at this point. But it's something that um, has been considered, and we mm -hmm. know 
um, our biology should be able to handle that. Interesting. Well, maybe if the technology gets even just a little bit better, that's something we could think more about. Let's go back to the phone lines. Carlotta is calling from Ferguson. Um, Carlotta, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi. Well, I would like to see the switching back and forth between daylight savings time and standard time stop because it's really hard on me, too. But I'd like to see it stay on daylight savings time Hmm. because I like having the extra daylight at the end of the day to get things done outdoors. So you're you're still not convinced by Eric's arguments that that we should probably all just shift our day a little earlier, get get that early morning sunlight. I, not I, uh, I, here's what I think. I think that, uh, even though idealistically it sounds great to sleep and rise by the sun, I don't think that's ever going to happen in our lifetime because we have electric lights, you know, and I just don't see that realistically we would ever go back. Mm. Carla, you, you make a decent point there, and, and thank you for sharing that. I also do want to play a voicemail we got. This voicemail might be a, a record for the farthest away voicemail we've received on St. Louis on the Air. This comes from someone who streams our show every day from Cambodia. And he noted that the end of daylight saving time coming up this weekend presents some difficulties for the time difference that he has to grapple with. Hi, Sarah and St. Louis on the Air team. This is Jim Hershey, longtime member of KWMU. I'm calling from Phnom Penh, Cambodia, where I work now, but I listen to you guys most every day at 7 a.m. in the morning when your show's rebroadcast at 7 p.m. in St. Louis. So daylight savings is actually going to be a bit of a bear. Uh, I'll have to listen to you guys during work hours And then when I call into staff meetings, um, that pushes my calls to the states uh, back even an hour later. Uh, An 8 o'clock call a.m. your time becomes a 9 p.m. call from Cambodia. So I'd just uh, be happy and uh, if the daylight savings just kept going. And we only had a 12-hour time difference with my hometown. So we feel for Jim, and and we enjoyed getting his voicemail um, all the way from Phnom Penh. Um, But Eric, I did want to mention, he touches on something here, this this time change between different places. It seems like many parts of the world are now moving away from this. It looks like the EU is probably moving in a direction where they're going to start scrapping this. If the U.S. keeps switching back and forth, are we eventually going to be in the minority with that? Yeah, absolutely. We are already in the minority. The majority of the planet does not uh, observe time switching. Hmm. And most time zones are kept in standard time, where the goal is to have a high noon be the middle of our uh, biological day. Um, And so uh, in Asia, for example, they don't observe time switches at all. Um, and, uh, and so the rest of the world often gets confused when, you know, we schedule meetings with them, um, and we're observing daylight saving time or switching back and forth with, uh, uh, standard time. Hmm. We just have a couple minutes left here today, but there is something that I wanted you to touch on that I found so interesting in some of the background materials you sent me. And we also got a caller who's curious about that, Bob, calling from Millstadt, Illinois, um, wondering about this difference between living on the eastern edge of a time zone versus living on the western edge of a time zone. It was fascinating to see what a big difference that can make for people. Can you speak to that? I know it's complicated, but can you speak to that briefly? Yeah, I think it's it's a really good point that came up briefly before, so I'm glad we can come back to it. 
if you think about um, the sun is, um, it, you know, as the earth rotates, the sun is moving across our sky so that roughly every 15 degrees of longitude, it's, it's, uh, it's moving an hour. And so um, those of us on the eastern edge of time zones see the sun rise earlier on the clock than those of us in the same time zone uh, on the western edge. And so this is sort of a natural experiment where we can compare the consequences of living on daylight saving time versus standard time where the sun is rising earlier on the eastern edge of a time zone compared to on the western edge where you, you, those folks who are living in the western edge and are being asked to wake um, in the dark, uh, it turns out that's associated with um, a number of um, difficulties. So we actually see there's about 19 minutes less sleep on the western edge of the same time zone hmm. when you compare county versus county. We actually see that the economic earning power is somewhere around 5% less on the western edge of time zones compared to the eastern edge of time zones. So this is sort of an experiment that's been running uh, where if we were to switch to daylight saving time, we might see actually a reduced earning power and people sleeping less. Hmm. So it's better to be on the eastern edge of that time zone. It sounds like St. Louis's positioning, as far as this goes, is, is not bad at all. Yeah, it's to our advantage. Absolutely. Well, we got a number of tweets about this. People are really wound up, and, and unfortunately, we're pretty much out of time, but I want to read just a couple tweets that made me laugh. Um, Mike writes, when my kids were babies, I thought all parents of young kids would rise up and stop the clock changing, but we were all too tired. <laughs> Boy, isn't that the case. Um, and Jamie <laughs> tweets, please, not another hour of this year. Can we all simply revolt and not turn our clocks and act as though anyone who did it has it all wrong? And she hashtags that. <laughs> kidding, not kidding. Wouldn't that be funny if we led a revolt this year, Eric, and we all just decided not to fall back. <laughs> I'm not suggesting anything, but I do want to thank Eric Herzog so much for joining us today. Um, Eric, you have been um, very illuminating and, and so interesting to talk to. Thank you, Sarah. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.